1: underway what's up everybody welcome to the action network podcast presented by FanDuel. i'm your host chris raybon and this is your nfl week 10 betting preview where we will talk about our favorite totals teasers underdogs and of course build our weekly sunday six pack of against the spread bets with the help of my co-host the prime minister of degenerate nation stucky stuck what's good
0: What's going on, brother? Good week in the books. I think I went six and two overall. Although I was very disappointed with two two of the six-pack picks at the Colts. We'll talk about it. It was disappointing that Jonathan Taylor didn't play, but I was able to grab six. Still liked it. Their defense shut the Patriots down, but their offense was historically bad. And then I underestimated the incompetence of the uh, fighting cliffs. Which, uh, <laughs> I told you. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. But uh, everything else got home. I'm glad that we decided to go I went chargers chiefs money line. It was pretty fortunate. but And then hopefully people were able to grab two and a half with the Bucs, who actually graded out as a 19-point winner. So it shouldn't even have been that close. But it just brings up an interesting point. If you look last week, lots of games, you know, with lower scoring, margins are tighter. And as the season progresses, lines do get sharper and more efficient, and which makes shopping around just that much important. I know we talk about, you know, things like the quick slip on FanDuel and and just having multiple outs. But like look at last week, it's like Chargers win by three, right on the button. You got a little better number here or there. Same with the the Bucks, right? Bucks were two and a half during the week, lands three. That'll continue to increase in frequency. So it just makes the makes getting the best number even more critical as the season progresses. But uh yeah, good week in the books, but who cares? We're on to week ten.
1: Week ten. But before we move on here, we've had more FanDuel users asking us how to use QuickSlip on the Action app. So, I Stuck, once again, can you please explain it to everybody?
0: Yeah, our sponsor FanDuel has this really great new technology that only Action has. So you only find it on the Action Network app, nowhere else. And when you go on, say you're on the Action app, and you pull up this Packers game and you say, okay, let me see where the best line is. And you see it's on FanDuel and you have a FanDuel account that's linked to the Action app. You would just click the FanDuel option. Once you log in once to connect your account, it would take you right to your FanDuel account already preloaded. And then you would just put in how much you want to bet. And instead of like, oh, you see it on the Action app then you got to go to the FanDuel app, you got to log in, then you go to you know NFL, then you got to find the game. The other great thing about it is just you see someone put a bet in, and you've talked about this a lot with props, and like props will move, like especially a prime time prop. Put it in, you have it up. You're on the app. You can literally just go. We are on the action app, or you can click the notification on the action app. Click it, takes you right to the Fanduel site. Have it preloaded. Boom, put your amount in and bet it. Could save you two yards. Could save you a half point. That's that adds up. And it's just like if you're in a time crunch, if you're kind of busy and want to do it quick, it's just really convenient, user friendly. So it's just another reason to have another out. And this technology is great for all users that have it.
1: Yeah, I can't I can't stress enough how important it is. You know, sometimes you might be listening to a pod, you might see somebody bet something, you might hear something. and It's like lines move so quick. Like I've lost multiple yards. I've lost half points. Sometimes full points, you know, in something like NBA where people are just straight up betting based on a weight scratch and things like that. So um it can be really important. So yeah, check out Quickswip uh for FanDuel in the Action Network app. All right, it's time to jump into Thursday night football. So let's get the show started with the Falcons at the Carolina Panthers. It's
0: not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet.
1: Thursday night football. I took a risk and it actually didn't work out. So I saw this line at plus two uh, heading into last week. I thought the Panthers would uh, surprise people against the Bengals. I thought the Falcons might have some trouble against the Chargers. So grabbed it at two. Of course, the the Panthers get blown out uh, and it goes to three. So did not get the best of the number there, but uh, I actually like the Panthers at home here. Uh, revenge spot, the plus three. The total is 42 and a half, but, uh, you know, they they played the Falcons pretty tough in that first meeting. Probably should have won, you know, even before all that, all the shenanigans happened with the Hail Mary and everything. Uh, I thought the Panthers played the better game. And uh, now you got them at home. Revenge spot. AJ Terrell still not playing for the Falcons. So kind of the same matchup, but PJ is going to get another shot and this against this, Pressureless Falcon D, I still think he'll be all right. But uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, you're the Panthers expert. This this game is – it's interesting. <laughs> I, I have no interest in this game. Panthers are a good good teaser piece. It's, they're pretty much painted at two and a half across the board uh, or like a really juiced three. It's interesting in that the these two teams just played. The, the line was what, Atlanta minus four, and the total was 41, 41 and a half. And that was indoors in Atlanta. Now you have a total, which is ticked up. because I mean, that game did shatter. There were, I think, 71 points scored. But there's wind. It's supposed to be pouring all night. Uh, We know how great Thursday night unders have been. Um, And now you're getting, you know, a total that's a couple points higher, which I found interesting. Both defenses obviously haven't been great of late. The weather is definitely something to keep an eye on. I would think favors the Falcons if it's just, like, pouring rain the entire time. They're basically like a service academy. Um, so that's one thing that could work in their favor I, panthers are an interesting teaser piece but other than that i make this line two and a half so i no interest in this game this game is awful um this is your classic brutal november thursday night matchup uh, i make it right on but totals interesting weather is worth keeping an eye on and yeah if i if i had to bet this game at all, I would use the Panthers in a teaser. Uh we'll talk about some other teaser pieces that you could potentially pair them with later on in the show.
1: Yeah, there are, you know, to your point, a lot of trend support in the under in this one. You
0: have outdoor second, second divisional game, right? So
1: yeah, that one there's uh there's outdoor just straight up outdoor Unders in divisional games uh, since the start of last year are 56 and 33, 63%. 20 and 6 this season, 77%. Uh, and under when the total opens at, at 40 and a half and moves up, 15, 6 and 1, 71%. Uh, when the wind, to your point, eight miles per hour or more, and the humidity is also 77% or more, uh, 190, 119 and 2 to the under, 61%, going all the way back to 2000. Uh, and three, including six and two this season. So uh, a lot of things kind of pointing toward the under. And then for the Panthers, this is, you know, the line moved away from them. As as I mentioned, when a line moves away from a team by two or more points uh, in prime time, that, that team is 79-49-2 and against the spread, 62%, uh, including four and one this season. And since uh, over the last about four or five years or so, a uh, divisional home dogs by under six are 61 and 40, 60% against the spread. So uh, there are a lot of trends supporting the Fal- uh, the uh, Panthers and the the under in this one. So yeah, if you like the tease, uh, you know, I don't mind that at all. But uh, I think the Panthers are going to win this game. So uh, I took them at, uh, at plus two. All right, let's, uh, let's jump into week 10, Sunday six pack.
0: Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack.
1: I think I got one of the widest spreads we've ever had, but uh, it's it's 35-25 right now. So see if you can uh, catch up. But uh, I am up first this week. So with my first pick and the first overall pick, Of the Week 10 Sunday six-pack, I am going with the Pittsburgh Steelers, plus one and a half at home against the New Orleans Saints. And there's a few things I like in this matchup. The first thing is I think you're getting some value due to the warped perception of both teams. So first, with Pittsburgh, strength of schedule. New Orleans has played an average schedule, but Pittsburgh's played the league's toughest schedule every single team that the Steelers have faced this year ranks in the top 13 in overall DVOA, which is pretty nuts. So, you know, they've managed to face eight of the top 13 teams in the league uh, in their eight games this year, Cincinnati, seven, New England, 13, Cleveland, 11, Jets, eight Buffalo two, Tampa, 10 Miami 12th. and, And the Eagles are number one. And then on the other side, I think new Orleans is a little bit, uh, inflated due to playing four of their last five games at home in the dome, and you know they also had a a London game, so they haven't had a true road. They only had one true road game in their last six, but four of the last five have been at home, and now you know they're going on the road. They're favored here. Yeah, you know, this is a coin flip game to me. You look at New Orleans; they it's been ugly when they're outside of the dome. At home, I mean, they're still 2-3 and three against the spread, which is not great, but uh, they're beating the spread by an average of 1.2 points at home. When they go on the road, they're 0-3 against the spread, and they're falling short of the spread by an average of 6.7 points per game. And in terms of the actual X's and O's here, I like Pittsburgh's run defense in this spot. Pittsburgh, you know, we know New Orleans, that's what they like to do. They like to run on early downs. They like to run, you know, to set up the pass, Run early, run often. If they can run all day, they will. Pittsburgh, number 10 in DVOA against the run on first down. Number five, one second down. They are number nine in both early down rush EPA and early down rush success rate. So like the matchup uh, for Pittsburgh's run defense, they also are pretty good against backs out of the backfield, which is key when you're facing Kamara. yards per target allowed to running backs. That's eighth best. And, you know, if Pittsburgh can stop the run, I really think New Orleans is going to struggle here because I think they kind of got exposed last week when, you know, they couldn't get that run game going against the Baltimore defense that came in, obviously on paper, you know, it wasn't good against the run, but held New Orleans to just 15 for 48. So. Pittsburgh can do something similar because they've been good on early downs against the run all year long. And you look at Pittsburgh and where they've really struggled on defense. And it's been these mobile quarterbacks, Josh Allen, they gave up 38 points, 432 net passing yards, Jalen Hurts, 35 points, uh, 290 net passing yards, everyone else, 20.7 points per game and uh, just under 250 net passing yards per game, including holding the bucks to 18 points and, and 229 yards in week six and Miami to 16 points and 261 uh, net pass yards in week seven. So I, I like, I think this Pittsburgh defense can get it done. Obviously, you know, we're going to have to get something here from Kenny Pickett, but they're coming off the buy. So th- this is pretty much the best time to kind of invest in, you know, a quarterback like this who has been struggling, but um, is a young quarterback does have some upside. He should have a pretty clean pocket. New Orleans, for whatever reason, they've just been struggling to get pressure this year. They're bottom five in pressure rate, which, Always surprises me. I keep thinking they're going to kind of shoot up their rankings and they just don't. So now we're in week 10 and they're still 28th in pressure rate. And uh, they've also, New Orleans has struggled against mobile quarterbacks as well. We saw Lamar last week, but overall in the season, uh, they are bottom 10 in rushing yards per game to quarterbacks, yards per carry to quarterbacks. So Pittsburgh's defense will, will kind of carry them. I think it's a better matchup than people think. And of course, I think Tom was going to have them ready to play, you know, 48, 26 and three against the spread 65%. As an underdog in his career, 25-9-1 and one against the spread, 74%. As an underdog versus an opponent with a better record. And when Tomlin is a home dog, 15-3-3 three three against the spread, 83%. And he covers by an average of six and a half points per game. So give me the Pittsburgh Steelers plus one and a half at home against New Orleans. People kill me for catchphrases, but I'm trying to capture a thought succinctly without damn talking too much because I just hate talking. I'd rather do.
0: I would look that way. I'll have something on this game later in the show. You should get Watt back as well. I think he's going to play. That would be great. Yeah, Watt. I mean, the defense, if you look over the past years when he's on and off the field, it's about a yard per play difference. It's just massive. And I do agree. That's the key with Pickett coming off of a bye for a rookie quarterback. You know, he gets a really good scripted portion here and yeah he's going to have a clean pocket the Saints can't get pressure the Saints have also been beat up and they got more beat up against Baltimore you know they have offensive line injuries McCoy left they have Pete who's banged up Davenport on the defensive side Lattimore still missing the receivers are all banged up so I think it's a good spot and a good rah-rah spot for the Steelers but uh, I will have more on this game later
1: Uh, hit that horn babe let's dance
0: uh, for my first pick and the second overall of the Week 10 Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers plus five, my favorite team in the NFL. I am 8-0 betting on their games this year. This line, to me, is way too high. By the way, it's the first time Aaron Rodgers will ever be more than a field goal underdog at home. All right, this, I just can't get to this line. This line is crazy. Cowboys are coming off a of buy. So if you look back the past 10 years, buys worth about a half point. Can be a little more, can be a little less, depending on the situation. But generally speaking, on average, it's about worth about a half point. But if you look back a couple weeks ago, Green Bay went to Buffalo, another good home field advantage like Lambeau. Bills are coming off a of bye. Bills were right around 10, half point favorites. This line – Packers covered, by the way, for me. This line implies that the Cowboys and the Bills at full strength are on equal playing fields, which is – not the case. The Packers have been, and if you look at our, check out our Action Network Luck Rankings. Our analytics team does a great job. Sean Kerner and company do a great job with those. This is, I assume, the number one pick this week. Packers have just been extremely unlucky. The perception on Green Bay is outrageous. Last week, for example, against Detroit, I, I graded them as a 13-point winner, and they lost the game outright. For I think their first three drives were in, inside the 20. They got zero, zero points. And if you look, take so take ask somebody what they think of the Vikings and the Packers. and people think the Packers are decent and the, like, people think the Vikings are decent, the Packers are awful. Well, if you look, let's just take football outsiders, DBOA, for example. The Packers are 15 on offense. The Vikings are 16. How about defense? The Packers are 18, the Vikings are 19. If you look at the Packers offense their 11th success rate, second and rush success rate, They've just been extremely, extraordinarily unlucky in the red zone with turnovers, particularly timing of turnovers. And on fourth downs, they are three of 15 on fourth downs, negative 30 EPA. They've lost 30 points on fourth down attempts, just a, a highly variant, like just a high variance down where you would ex- expect some regression, especially for a team that's second in the NFL in rush success rate. Their defense, you know is vulnerable against the run, which is a bit of a concern here. But overall, it's been okay. There are some injuries, which are definitely worth noting here. But the Packers are an average team. That's what they are. They have a poor record of 3-6 and because they've been unlucky. But they're an average team. No matter what you look at, you can look at you know net yards per drive. They're 12th in the NFL. How about net yards per play? 14th. By the way, Vikings are 24th in net yards per play. They've scored the same number of offensive touchdowns as their opponents. They're averaging 50 more yards per game than their opponents. They have major flaws, right? They don't have explosiveness with their receivers. Their run defense is bad. Their special teams are poor. But this this is just a, a typical classic buy low spot on the Packers at home. And this is their season. They lose this game. Their season is over uh, against a, a Cowboys team that I think is a bit inflated in the market after you know beating up on some bad teams last month. And in general, over the course of the season, they have dominated games when they can dominate opposing offensive lines. The way that the Packers' offense works, it's not, uh, they're going to, the Green Bay's going to come out, they're going to lean on their run game, and it's just going to be short, quick passes. And Green Bay's offensive line, I think, is in the best shape that it's been all year. They finally had Jenkins playing left guard. You know, Bakhtiari split snaps at left tackle with Tom, the rookie who's been really good. I like him at that left tackle spot. So they finally have some continuity in the lineup that they want. So, yeah, I mean, I'm taking five here all day. I think this line should be three. Classic buy low spot on the Packers, who have been very unlucky. There's going to be a game or two, a stretch, where people are like, oh, the Packers are back, when really it's just all the regression in the red zone on fourth downs in turnovers. Uh, So, yeah, give me Green Bay here. I'll go to war here with Rodgers as a dog, and dogs in this range – all season have just been straight cash in the scoring environment. So give me the Packers.
1: Yeah, I know they have, because I've been betting against the Packers uh, <laughs> with dogs in this range. Um, yeah, like I was I was really interested in in what your breakdown was going to be, because I, you know, I, I'm i not really there. Uh, I just, I worry about this getting away from the Packers a little bit, just because I think Dallas, you know, they, they're going to be able to run. I think they're going to be able to throw, you know, Rashawn Gary is a big loss on the edge for Green Bay but also i this is just one of those spots where i don't like to bet the packers because dallas is one of those teams that can rush for and get pressure and that's always kind of been you know historically the way you beat Rodgers before he started sucking with this offense but i get it they've been unlucky so i can't really hate on the play too much but just you know from a from a kind of a gut feel perspective just a little bit worried that this could get away from them like if it you know like, like are do you, are you think the packers in this spot, like, they, they end up winning or losing by, like, three? Or do you think they need, like, a backdoor?
0: Uh, I think they might win this game. But, you know, if a backdoor is needed and you're down 10 <laughs> late, just like in the Bills game, it'll be nice to have Rodgers. And, yeah, I just don't think the pressure means as much here because it's just – it's a very efficient offense. It's just lacking explosive. and they just get stopped in the red zone or on fourth downs. You know, you're saying the Cowboys are a touchdown better – than an average team in the NFL. And I do not get there uh, at all. I mean, um,
1: you know, if they had Cooper Rush in this game, they would be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, be rooting for you, though. Uh For my second pick and the third overall of the week, number 10 Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel. I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks plus three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, I look forward to to your... Uh, what you have to say about this, because I know you're on the Bucks at two and a half. But uh, I so I look at these teams and we're in week 10 now and it's a neutral field. So I have this is pretty much a coin flip game. I don't think that Tampa Bay is markedly better than Seattle at all. I mean, if you look at overall DVOA, Seattle fifth, Tampa Bay 10th, offensive DVOA, Seattle seventh, Tampa Bay 17th, defensive Tampa Bay is seventh, Seattle's 12th. Special teams, Seattle is seventh, Tampa Bay is 19th. So Seattle has the edge overall. Seattle has the edge offensively uh, and Seattle has the edge in special teams. And the gap in defense uh, is the closest gap of, of any of them. It's it's just five spots. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of how it's been this year. And just looking at this Tampa Bay team, just like I said, last week, I'm going to test this, this Packer team, let them, you know, outscore the lions. Well, it's kind of the same thing with this Tampa Bay team. It's okay. Let's see if you can get some separation here against the Seattle Seahawks who, you know, they're not world beaters, but they're a pretty solid football team. They drafted well. So I think a lot of people are still underestimating them because a lot of their players that are making the difference between what they're actually doing and their preseason prior are guys who are like young and unproven. And a lot of people just don't know them. But when I look at this Tampa Bay offense, I'm going to bet against them all day because week nine last week against the Rams, they didn't turn the ball over. They ran 79 plays, 79, and they gained 323 yards. They needed 79 plays without a turnover to gain 323 yards. That's 4.1 yards per play. And that Ram defense is statistically speaking, very similar to the Seahawks. The, The Rams are 13th in TVOA the Seahawks are 12th and they're even better than that over the last month or so of the season. And just going back this, these last four games for Tampa Bay, like ever since that game against Kansas city, which wasn't a good game for Tampa Bay, but at least they put some points on the board, you know, it's just been downhill. I mean, they had that Falcons game where they, they stopped scoring. So these last four games, they're, they're doing absolutely nothing on offense. And, you know, they played 16 quarters over the last four games, obviously. And, they've been leading by more than three points for less than two of those quarters, about 11% of the time, they've had a lead of more than four points and they're playing the Steelers, the Panthers. I mean, it's not all, you know, the, the, the Rams who aren't, as you talked about last week, aren't very good. You know, the Ravens, the only team in there that are, you know, I think is a formidable opponent. And you look at, you know, the Bucs have been struggling on offense The defensive rankings of these last four teams, Pittsburgh, 20th, Carolina, 28th, Baltimore, 15 Rams, 13. That's an average of 19th. Seattle's better than all of them. They're the second best they faced all year. Um, You know, since week four, they're ninth in EPA per play eighth. If you remove turnovers and Tampa Bay outside of Raymond James stadium this year, just 308 yards per game, total of offense, 15 points per game of offense You look at the red zone, Tampa Bay offense, 29th in DVOA, Seattle d fifteenth. Seattle actually struggles in in the red zone themselves on offense, 24th, but Tampa Bay's defense is 30th. So, yeah, I I just don't see how there's like this big of a difference between these two teams at this point. Tampa Bay loses Shaq Barrett, 22 pressures, their best edge rusher. Uh, You know, I I just think Seattle here – is the more consistent offensive team and Tampa Bay, everything's been a struggle for them. I mean, they needed they needed the Rams to essentially go in a, you know, play the ultra conservative and Cooper Cup to slide instead. He could have got the first down just to have a second chance to win that game. Uh, it didn't bowl well, uh, I don't think for me, uh, for them to cover this number at more, especially when you're when you're getting the three here, because now they got to win by four, they got to win by a touchdown. I just don't see Tampa Bay doing it, they haven't been doing it. Uh, in any of these games uh, since early in the season. And, uh, you know, week 10 dogs against favorites on a on a one to two game winning streak, 51-31-2 against the spread, 62% since 06. Give me the Seahawks, plus three on a neutral field in Germany. I'm
0: so scared. Ooh, the Germans.
1: Yeah, I, I love the Bucs here for a few reasons. Like, yeah, if you
0: look at DVOA, the Seahawks are going to be better than the Bucks in a lot of categories. By the way, the Packers better than the Packers. Than the Vikings in yeah. those categories. That's it's very fair. troubling. No, but no, I'm saying it's very troubling because the Vikings have played a number of backups. DVOA doesn't account for injuries, and the Seahawks have been very, very fortunate on that front on their own, and then of teams that they faced. Whereas the Bucks haven't been healthy all year. This is the healthiest they'll be. I'm assuming Antoine Winfield is coming back this week. He's their highest graded defensive player, and he's so important to everything that they want to do. Their secondary has been banged up, their receivers have been banged up. And I look at the their red zone numbers as a, a positive moving forward. There should be some regression there. And yeah, the Rams game, I gave them a a, a bump and, and downgraded the Rams. I mean, I had them that is a a, a massive win. They I mean they, they outgame them like 330 to 200. They needed they took, a second they chance. They took
1: 80 but... players though to do to get that those those. I mean, no yeah. granted, I'm not I'm not knocking the defense. Don't get me wrong, but like we know the Rams offense can't block. So it's like
0: Yeah, but I'm just saying you said <laughs> that they, they got a second chance, but they scored a touchdown that bounced off scotty miller's face mask <laughs> wide open um like th- things like that have been happening in the red zone it looks like cameron bray will be back that should help in the red zone but their their offense has just not had any continuity the receivers have been in and out and banged up all year and most importantly it's the secondary todd bowles needs a healthy secondary to do what he wants to do and that's blitz and bring pressure if you can do that and stop the run which a healthy Bucs defense can do, Geno Smith turns into a pumpkin. I mean, last week he was horrendous because the Cardinals blitz a lot. They just, and they actually stopped the run, as I thought. Geno Smith last week, 2.2 air yards per attempt. He had two touchdown throws after two dropped picks and through a pick six. The week before against the Giants, he was the 23rd rated quarterback, another team that blitzes. But guess what? Both those teams have awful secondaries, the Giants and the Cardinals. The Bucs don't. The Bucs have one of the best now that they're fully healthy. Geno Smith against the Blitz has just been – he's been bad. He's a 23rd graded quarterback when Blitz, when not Blitz, he's second. And Tampa could defend the run well and Blitz. It's also much tougher travel here for Seattle. You know, they were just on the road out west. Now you're going uh, overseas, and they're a much younger team, much more inexperienced, and I think these spots favor – the favorites, who are have a very good straight up record, are twenty three and fourteen against the spread. Tom Brady, fourth game overseas, he's what three and zero straight up and against the spread, covering by twenty points per game in international games. And it's just a very experienced Bucks team that I think will treat this more like a business trip. Yucks getting a lot of love, and I think that there's a reason why this line is moving up, despite the entire world is going to bet Seattle mm.
1: again. You know, I'm not saying Geno Smith is going to win MVP or you know all this, whatever. I'm just saying. Any competent team, which I think the Seahawks are, the Bucs aren't going to be able to separate from them. That's my thing. It's like the Bucs offense; everything's a struggle. We watch Brady now, and if you watch him throw, and there's there's no margin for error on these throws anymore. It's everything is like it's either squeezed in, or it's it's a it's you know in a tough spot, and the receiver drops it, or it's there's just nothing's coming easy for this team. So if I can, if I'm getting three points on a neutral field. For a team that hasn't top twenty-one points, despite playing the Falcons, Steelers, Panthers, you know the only team they they, they go they scored twenty-two against the Ravens on you know a last-second touchdown. That's a good value.
0: We shall find out. I think it's a great matchup <laughs> and spot for Tampa.
1: But uh, where are you going right. for for your second?
0: For my second pick and the fourth overall, the Week Ten Sunday Six Pack, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns plus three and a half at the Miami Dolphins. If you look at these teams' records, and I, I dug in a lot into this game. If you look at these teams' records, right? The Browns are three and five, and the Dolphins are six and three, getting all kinds of love. The Browns have been better overall this year. The Browns are the Browns offense is good. It's top five EPA. They're one of two teams that's had a positive EPA on offense in all but one game this year. I you know, if you look at it's basically just come down to who's been better in the really close games. Dolphins are five and zero oh in games decided by six points or less. Right, they beat Baltimore by four in the luckiest win of the of the season. They had a one percent post game win probability. They beat Buffalo by two, got outgained by about three hundred yards. They beat Pitt at home by six. You were just talking about, not yeah, that was a weird one.
1: Yeah, yeah, they scored
0: sixteen at home. They beat Detroit at by four, trailing the entire game, get a fourth down stop late. Then they beat Chicago by three. I mean.
1: And they missed a call at the end of that game. That could have gave Chicago a chance.
0: the, the, The problem with the Dolphins are now, yes, their offense is good. And they have great receivers. A couple problems with them. They're the worst special teams in the NFL. Every phase is bad right now. And their defense is horrific. They have too many injuries in the secondary. They can't stop anybody. Big Justin Fields set the quarterback rushing record last week. Broke Michael Vick's record. Their defense is bad. And meanwhile, the Browns, who are one and four in games decided by six or last. You have one team that's five and oh, and the other team that's one and four. They, and by the way, the Browns have five, if you look at estimated wins, 5.1 estimated wins, the Dolphins are at 5.0. And the Browns have three fewer wins. But the Browns lost this year. They lost by one to the Jets. Game they should have won by two touchdowns, melted down late. They lost by three to Atlanta. Again, another game that I had them graded as a winner. Lost by two to the Chargers. Chance to win that game. Lost by three at the Ravens. Should have won that game. I'm a Ravens fan. They held the Baltimore to about 200 yards of offense. Look, they're off of a bye here with improving health. Should get Denzel Ward back. And the biggest thing for me is the offense has been great all year. And they'll be able to move the ball here, control the clock, keep that Miami offense off the field. Their defense has improved significantly over their past two games against the Bengals and the Ravens. Over that two-week stretch, they were seventh at EPA per play, fifth in EPA per dropback. Miles Garrett is obviously dominating games right now. But their back end, they had some schematic changes coming in the air. And a lot of people, including myself, thought this was going to be a top-10 defense. They were lost just communication-wise, run defense. No one knew where to go. They have addressed a lot of those issues. If you watch their defense over the past two games, now you know you're getting healthier and you have a bye week. I expect that defense to continue trending up whereas the Dolphins need to get healthier in the secondary before you see any uptick on that side of the ball. Um, but guys are finally in the right place for Cleveland on defense, which is massive. Obviously, Garrett being in there and healthy is uh, can change games on his own. But, yeah, I think that these are – the perception on these two teams is way off. Um, the Browns should have, you know, five – maybe six wins and the dolphins probably should have four or five wins this year. I, and look, all the dolphins are doing is they can't get separation because everyone can score on them. Uh, I'll gladly take the Browns here in what I think is a pretty good matchup catching over a field goal coming off of the buy in uh, what is basically their season. They need to win this game.
1: I thought about this one, uh, you know, this kind of within like the final running for me, the one thing that gave me pause was the one place I do actually think Miami defensively matches up well is they're pretty good at limiting opposing running games, like running backs in in base defense. And that's obviously a big part of the, the Browns, you know, offensive attack. So, you know, they're seventh in run defense DVOA, but they're, uh, they're second in running back yards allowed per carry. They are fourth in adjusted line yards. They're sixth in uh, power rank. They're top five and stuff rate. So that is the one thing it's like, Hmm, you know, Cleveland, they should be able to run on anybody, but uh, you know, that was, that was kind of the one thing giving me pause.
0: Yeah. I think there's some value in Cleveland here over a field goal. Where are you going next? For
1: well, my third and final pick in the fifth overall of the week, 10 Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel. I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings plus three and a half at Buffalo and you know, full disclosure, I played this at four and a half, but you know, with Josh Allen healthy, I make it about Buffalo by six. So, you know, this line to me still doesn't quite bake it out. I, I don't think he's gonna play. Um, you know, like it's it's you know, with the, the the injury he has, yes, it's it's like a pain tolerance thing, but it's also something that if if they rested him a week, I think it would be a lot better. So I don't think he's gonna play. So I'm just kind of taking a team here in Minnesota that, you know, we kind of talked about it. They are not as good as their record, but I think they're competent enough to kind of hold it, to kind of hold things close here against this Buffalo team that a little bit out of sorts. I mean, even like there's some, you know, something's going like Buffalo's in certain areas, not quite as good as you would think. Like, for example, you know, we think of Buffalo as this team, okay, they got Von Miller. They can get pressure now. They're just 20th in pressure rate. Uh, this season and you know that's that, that's kind of surprising to me you know Poyer didn't practice Wednesday Edmonds Rousseau, so uh, I think might miss again so I, I think this Buffalo team just a little banged up I don't think if you know if it comes down to holding guys out for this game you know out of conference games not a division game I think they're going to play it uh, conservative and on the other side you know Minnesota you know, they are, they don't, they don't they're, they're up to 15th in pressure rate and they're not blitzing. They're 27th. So they're plus 7.1% uh, pressure minus blitz rate is actually third best in the week. So that's kind of a metric I use to see, you know, how good a team's four man can be. And I think, you know, with that kind of defense, you know, it's, they're going to kind of sit back, they can get some pressure. And on the other side, you got, competent skilled guys all over. Hawkinson actually made a pretty big, much bigger impact than I thought he was going to make in in the first game, uh, which could be big with, uh, you know, with Buffalo banged up at safety because usually they just shut down opposing tight ends. But I think you can run on Buffalo a little more now. We saw that with the jets and uh, you know, Zach Wilson can can go and and pull off a win against this bills team with Josh Allen playing. Uh, I'll take, I'll take the, uh, what are they? Seven and one now, seven and one Minnesota Vikings. I'll take the 7-1 Minnesota Vikings to hold it close here as well. Uh, week 10, underdogs on the road with uh, a negative ATS differential, which the Vikings have. You know, they haven't been great against the uh, the spread. Uh, those teams are 54-30-3, 64% against the spread since 2005. Uh, road dogs that are 500 or below against the spread that opened – Plus two and a half or higher in weeks 10 or 11, 113, 59, and five against the spread 66% since 2005. So give me the Vikings at Buffalo.
0: I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm way higher uh, on this spread than you if mm-hmm. Allen was healthy and the Bills were at full strength. I'm at like nine. Oh, wow. Three. So then you could say Alan's worth like six ish points. There's some other injuries to keep, you know, if, if I, I look at the Bills, if I can get under three. The Vikings are 6-0-1 possession games. That's the most wins of all time. Best record of all time through uh, this point in the season in the history of the NFL. They've been outplayed in almost every single game. Like I said, they were 24th in net yards per play. Uh, This team just has flaws all over, and they just keep stealing games late in the fourth quarter. Did it again last week against Washington. But, I mean, Dancler's out, which is worth noting. The rookie Evans is going to get his first start at corner for Minnesota. But the Bills just yeah, but we got to wait on out. I don't think he's going to play either. He's going to push to play, but McDermott said day to day usually means out this week based on his history. Milano looks like he'll be in. It's an important piece that they missed last week. Trey white. Does he come back? We'll see. Poyer He's hurt. Uh, Russo week to week. So McDermott said he's not going to play this week. So there's a lot of injuries for this bills team. Their defense is definitely not at full strength, which is something to monitor, but, uh, yeah, this line might go too far if Allen is ruled out. I might back the Bills, but there's so much uncertainty right now. I don't mind that you grabbed that number because I also agree that uh, I think Allen's going to sit out here. Yeah, because I mean, there's this- no, there's no reason to, you know, I think it's just a pain tolerance thing. But there's just no reason to rush him back this week with where they yeah. sit in the playoff picture. It's not like they need to win this game.
1: Yeah, I think, in, I think you could get some, like, residual value here because I think if Allen sits, I think they may be more likely to be conservative with some with of the other players. guys. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's just like, all right, let's just get everybody. Almost like a bye week, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I'm going to be fading Minnesota at some point again, but right now I'm getting points for a team that, you know, they essentially have the MVP at quarterback and he's not likely to play, so I'll take that on that.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't fade Minnesota here if Allen is out. At over field field goal is just so valuable, especially this year. Uh, I mean, I would look at Buffalo potentially, depending on some of their other injuries. If this line goes down under three, which I think it might, if Allen is officially ruled out, depending on some of the other injuries.
1: The question so, is, if if the Vikings win this game, what's what's Kirko Chain's going to do on the flight home? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. all right, where are you going?
0: All right, for my third pick and the sixth overall of the Week Ten. Sunday six pack. I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars plus nine and a half at the Kansas city chiefs. Just going to keep this one simple. I just think there's too many points. I think this line should be right around a touchdown. I have a tad less. And if you're going to fade the chiefs, this is when you fade them a favorite of seven or more Mahomes as a favorite of a touchdown. Plus 12 and 17 against the spread as a favorite of three and a half or more 27, 31 and one against the spread. Favorite of three or less or dog, he's just beyond elite. But the Jags, look, they can't close out games, but they're pesky and they'll be in every game. They're one in six in one possession games. It wouldn't shock me if they won this game and got a couple breaks to go their way because the Chiefs have also been flirting with losing to inferior teams at home all year. Here are their games at home this year. They beat the Titans who had no completions to a receiver by three in overtime. They beat the Raiders by one, easily could have lost that game. You know, they lost to Buffalo and they beat the Chargers by three, easily could have lost that game. I mean, those are their home games this year. So they've been flirting with Luke. And last week was a physical game. And look, Kelsey's going to eat. If you look, I'm, I'm afraid of that against the Jags who can't cover tight ends. But there's just the Chiefs' offensive line isn't right, and their defense, you could score on them. So I think that the Jags will do enough here to stay within this number. And it's just a a, a game where the Chiefs will, you know, the back door might be open here, but I, I, the Chiefs aren't going to show a ton. It's just like, let's get out with a win. They have the Chargers on deck, which basically will decide the division. They can sweep the Chargers and Broncos and Raiders are out of it. Um, so I think there's a good spot to back the Jags who every single one of their games this year has been decided by one possession mm-hmm. and the Chiefs at home have just been flirting uh, with inferior teams all year. and they, they definitely have some flaws and they're not as explosive. Now, if you get the Chiefs that are just like juggernaut Chiefs, which, you know, once a month you'll get, then the Jags are booked. Um, But if you don't, Jags should hang around here. And I think this number is a bit inflated and especially this season, catching nine and a half with a competent team. The Jaguars are competent on offense and they just can't close out games. But I don't need them to do that here, catching nine and a half. Also, you won't see this go on the app because it's in a dead range. So you might as well wait, as I'm doing, um, to see if a uh, 10 pops at any point in time. The risk of going from nine and a half to nine is meaningless. So uh, yeah, follow along the Action Network app. I'll put this in at 10. If it gets there, if not, I'll be on this regardless. But we're taking nine and a half here for the contest.
1: Yeah, this is another one. I'm kind of going back and forth on whether I want to bet it. Uh, if I had bet it, I would have probably picked it first because I fit, I, I I swore you were going to pick it first for some reason. Um, but you know, there are some yeah, like I, there are things I like about the Jags in this spot. Number one, yeah, there's just so many points against Mahomes. Number two, they're actually top ten in pressure rate, which you know you can't you're never going to completely stop this offense. But you know, Mahomes one sixteen passer rating, Queen seventy seven. Uh, under pressure so you know that definitely helps but they, yeah, that all also the line has
0: problems right now you saw yeah. tennessee just was just destroying them up front
1: yeah and then there's so there's a couple of things that give me pause to um about you know the game kind of like you said getting the juggernaut chiefs here one is i still don't know if i can trust trevor lawrence against Non Indianapolis Colts teams, the Raiders played more zone against the Jags than pretty much anyone besides the Colts did, and I just don't know how you do that. And of course, what do the Jaguars do? They're down seventeen nothing, and they come back. Well, I'm looking at the Chiefs last week, and they actually played man coverage fifty eight percent of the time against Malik Willis. So if they did it against the Titans, I do think they'll they'll still feel comfortable playing it against the Jags. So that kind of worries me. Uh, I I might bet it still, but uh, it is a lot of points. But those were kind of the things I was thinking about. All right, so that is going to wrap it up for the Week 10 Sunday Six-Pack. Let's see, who do we got? The quarterbacks, we got some Jacoby Brissett, some Aaron Rodgers, some Trevor Lawrence, some Kenny Pickett, Geno Smith, and Kirk Cousins. So that's just a solid group. N- nothing really crazy there. Uh, Stuck is going with Cleveland plus three and a half against Miami. The Pack plus five at home against the Cowboys. And the Jags plus nine and a half. At Kansas City, I'm going with the Steelers plus one and a half at home against the Saints. The Seahawks plus three in Germany against the Bucks and the Vikings plus three and a half at Buffalo. That is going to wrap it up for our Week 10 Sunday Six Pack presented by FanDuel. Now it is time for the Coach's Pep Talk.
0: Every time we get ready to play, I just want to throw up. So depressed, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm sick of watching you guys play. Just how bad
1: can it get? All right, this week's Coach's Pep Talk comes to us from the beloved Omar on the wire, dedicated to Kevin O'Connell. Show us something, man. Backing you against one of the best teams in the league. I don't even want this, man. Why not? It ain't what you're taking. It's who you're taking it from, you feel me? How do you expect to run with the Wolves come night when you spend all day spawning with the puppies? Let's jump in now to our favorite over under of the week i right, start you can lead us off for this one
0: yeah let's go with the chargers 49ers under 45 and a half right. i think look this the chargers play fast the 49ers are the opposite and this is a clash of tempos here but the chargers run defense hasn't been as bad as their stats indicate i talked about that last week and actually held up pretty well against atlanta just a fairly good you know, pre-preparation game before you face the 49ers. They give up like a 40 to 50 yard run every game. And then the rest, they're actually better than the stats indicate, you know, I, you know, if you take away their one 40 to 50 yard run, they allow every game. Then their average yards per rush allowed is in the top five in the NFL. So look, you don't want to do that. But what I'm saying is they're not just getting gashed on a down to down basis like, last year they're a little better in that department and on the other side of the ball I don't, I don't see how the chargers move the ball here they are extremely limited at receiver they also have major offensive line problems which will show here against the san francisco front and you saw it last week atlanta undermanned secondary can't get pressure the charters offense still it was a slot and probably got fortunate to win that game and they just got the 24 points against a bad Atlanta defense. Now you're playing one of the best defenses in the NFL that's getting healthier. Also, San Francisco is elite at covering backs out of the backfield, number two in the NFL. So, you know, it doesn't look like Williams is going to play. Keenan Allen still isn't practicing. You can't really dump it off to Eckler all day. Your offensive line is a mess. You're going to be under pressure. Like, how are you going to move the ball? So I think San Francisco will be able to control the clock here. Move the ball, it won't be as uh successful as some might think, but the slower team in this game is going to possess the ball for a majority of the game and I just can't see the chargers doing much and uh, but I think their defense will battle. Give me the under here 45 and a half also the 49ers just always they're as favorites at home like they always just make make this make they just will play down to whoever they're playing and make it a game somehow. Um, so that means I just can't see the Chargers scoring much. So that means this game will be like 20 to 17 or something like that.
1: I'm on the same page. Uh, I, I mean, I'm actually not as high in the Chargers run defense as you. I, I think the run defense is actually pretty bad. And that's probably the biggest concern uh, for this number going over. But beyond that, I mean, you have a San Francisco team that nothing's going to be down the field. It's Everything's going to be short passes. And then Justin Herbert's doing the same thing this year. Everything's short. And San Francisco is allowing the third lowest defensive average you have to target at 6.3. So I don't think that's going to change for the Chargers. And if, if Herbert's not making explosive plays, then you're just probably relying on run after the catch, which could happen, but it could be like a 27-13-9 or win. Uh, for my total, I am going with the Broncos Titans, under 36 and a half let's just go low here because we have two offenses that are outside the top 20 in DVOA, two top 10 defenses. The Broncos are number two on defense. The Titans are number 10 Broncos, number 27 on offense, Titans, number 22. And then look at this Titans offense. And you've talked about it. They're averaging just 18.6 points per game this year, which is 24th in the league. And that is despite a league-high 78.6% red zone touchdown conversion rate. Well, now you're facing a Broncos defense who's the best in the league on defense in the red zone, allowing just 26.3% of opponent red zone possessions to score touchdowns. And then you look on the other side, and Denver on offense, they're the worst team in the red zone at 35%. And the Titans are... But they're pretty good. They're 11th in conversion rate and they're fourth in DVOA, which adjusts for strength of schedule. So, uh, two excellent red zone defenses. They're not going to get anything in a red zone. They're not going to get anything on third down. There's going to be a lot of punts in this game. And then the Broncos average pace, but the Titans' slowest team in the league in neutral situations at 33.9 seconds per play. So, that should shorten the game. And it's got, you know, it, don't overthink it here. The under is seven and one in Broncos games this year. It's six and two in Titans games, four straight Broncos games under, five straight Titans games under. And per our action labs data, when you have both teams in a game that have hit the under at least three times in a row, the under in that game is t- 39, 26 and one, 60% uh, since 2003, covering by an average of 2.8 points per game. So nearly a field goal. And remember, it took 66 minutes for Tennessee and one of the best offenses in the league to get to 37 points. So now you're talking about one of the worst in the Broncos. Uh, I I think the Broncos, you know, off a buy, they might do some things, but you, and you're probably getting Malik Willis here, you know, Tannehill did return to practice, so we'll see, but either way, I think it's going to be a run heavy game plan uh, for Tennessee and uh, don't, don't expect Denver's defense to to dominate and hold Tennessee uh, out of the end zone in the red zone, which is something that most teams haven't been doing.
0: Yeah, every Broncos game is the same, so uh, don't disagree here. But I'll I'll have more on this game in our next segment. All
1: right, let's jump into it. Our favorite teaser of the week.
0: Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers.
1: Stucky has a lot of excellent content out on how you go about approaching teasers, what key numbers you're trying to tease through. So Google Stucky teasers. Uh, it's and uh, you can find all of that content. Stuck. Where are you going?
0: Talk about the Steelers earlier teasing them up over a touchdown, in what should be a low-scoring game. Then I'm going to tease them with the Broncos up over a touchdown again. he here is tease. When you can, if you can tease through 3-7, and seven, that is ideal, especially in lower-scoring games. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Broncos off the bye-year. Titans off a hard-fought loss to the Chiefs. Their defense on the field for 91 plays. Uh, I think the Broncos are going to win this game. And you mentioned the red zone touchdown percentage. Probably some regression coming there. Titans lead the league at 79%, like you said. Broncos worse in the league at 35%. No team has finished that high or that low yeah. over the past 10 seasons. So there's definitely some regression coming. Tennessee's always up there because of Derrick Henry but they now have a worse offensive line and no receivers. They won't break records as the best red zone offense of all time. And I I think Malik Willis is going to start or a severely hampered Tana, but I think it's Willis. They can't throw the ball. Denver, you can't throw on them anyway. Denver's just going to load the box here. Um, And uh, yeah, Titans have been getting very, very lucky in many games. I mean, they're 29th in net yards per play. Broncos are fifth, by the way. Uh, Tennessee has some major regression coming, but every Broncos game is the same. This will be – and the Titans too. They somehow uh, make every game close and end up winning them. Broncos have a, every game is close and they end up losing them. So uh, I'll gladly take over a touchdown here.
1: Yeah, Broncos games averaging 31. thirty one point six a game. It's like they just can't set the the uh, the totals well enough. But I agree. You know, it's a, I'm going with the same teaser, so uh, we won't uh, won't spend too much time on it because you pretty much said it. But like the Steelers. And, uh, and, yeah, the Broncos, their defense weaves them in every game. And, you know, coming off the bye, I think they should be competent. They'll have prepared for the Titans who, like you said, are coming off a, uh, you know, shorter rest and a game where they kind of had to do a lot. All right, so Steelers up to seven and a half, Broncos up to eight we We're both going with that for the teaser. Let's get into our Moneyline Underdog Parlay.
0: Turning good weekends into great weekends – it's time for the money line parlay. All
1: right, stuck. You're hitting six out of nine weeks. Both n- neither of us hit last week, but uh, you still have, I could an have impressive... had the
0: bears. I could have had the bears, yeah. man. It, it,
1: yeah, some weird, weird calls at the end of that game. But uh, where are you going this week?
0: I'm gonna go. Let's go with Denver. Just talked about it. High variance game, like it could end like 12 10. It's gonna come down to like who throws a pick in their own territory. I think this line will come down because I think Malik, Malik Willis is going to start. And uh, like I said, 91 plays for that Tennessee defense last week in primetime game, Denver off a bye. I think this game should be a coin flip. So I'll gladly take the plus money in a, a game where like a safety could win it.
1: Why do you think it's like plus three? Or my well, guess is down to two and a half now, but you think that like people were uh, the bookmakers are just kind of counting on Tannehill or what? Because I mean, Denver's also coming off a bye. That actually seems weird. Yeah, I mean, no that... one
0: wants to bet Denver and then people. Yeah. Tennessee keeps covering. They've covered six in a row. So they keep making people money. Who wants to bet Denver to win at Tennessee when all Tennessee does is they just find ways to cover. But, uh, yeah, I think it was kind of a hedge, but I think it'll continue to come down uh, if Tannehill is announced out. All right,
1: I'll go with Arizona plus 106 here. And I know Cliff does not beat McVay. It never happens. But as we're recording this, there is – some uncertainty about Matthew Stafford and, you know, he's in a concussion protocol. Don't know if he's going to go. And even before that, no, right. <laughs> even before that though, now I'm looking at this game, trying to handicap it, you know, with the prior knowledge that McVay owns cliff. I'm trying to figure out like, okay, well, what is that? Like on the field, like what is actually going to give the Rams that edge in this game? And I really don't think this Rams team is the same as those teams that have historically owned Cliff because now they're not getting pressure. And that's really, you know, you want to pressure Kyler Murray. I mean, that is very haphazard, sloppy play when he's under pressure. His passer rating is very poor. But, you know, this Rams defense not getting pressure anymore. And on the other side of the ball, you know, maybe they get Shelton back, which would help a lot because Evans has been – Uh, like pretty much the worst lineman in the game uh, on the interior for the Rams, but they can't really block. They're very one dimensional on offense. So it's like a lot of the edges that they've had over the Cardinals in previous, previous years really aren't there. So, you know, even if Stafford plays, I think Arizona might surprise some people here and we know this is, this is the Arizona spot on the road, everyone counting them out. Cliff 13, eight and two, 62% as a, Road dog on the money line, that's a 71% ROI. So, give me the cards.
0: Yeah, my problem is it's also the spot where you fade, (laughs) yeah, Cliff, after the second half of the year. Yeah, I mean, McVay's but seven and one straight up, six one and one against the spread. Murray only eight touchdowns in eight games against the Rams, averaging 20 rushing yards, also. And then Hopkins has been shut down in this matchup as well. The thing that would worry me is, yeah, the Rams aren't getting pressure, which would help, but they might be able to get pressure here because the Cardinals' interior offensive line—I mean, it is a mess. Uh, what's his name for Seattle looked look like Aaron Donald last week, so what's Aaron Donald going to look like? I mean, they they were they couldn't even snap the ball. You will—I mean, Hernandez went out, and they have a rookie in there at guard. It was a disaster. Their interior offensive line. Now you also lose Buda Baker, your defensive leader on the back end, which certainly doesn't help, but. Yeah, this game is
1: gross. Uh, yeah, I mean the Rams are just were as bad. I mean, yeah. We, gets, uh, <laughs> we, we know we know the Cardinals are shaky, but the Rams that's the issue. The Rams are just as shaky at this point. You know, I don't see any reason why the Cardinals couldn't win this game. Yeah, especially if facing Tom Wolford. maybe Wolford
0: going in there and running around, maybe you don't want that. He actually can move around a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, I, I went to a I went to a preseason game with Wolford a couple, you know, earlier this year. Yeah, Rams fans don't want that, trust me does not oh. run around a little bit. Yeah, it's just it's it's like Sam Ellinger running around against the Patriot. Not Fair not enough. really great. <laughs> uh all right, so if you parlay the Broncos plus 118 and the Cardinals plus 106, uh, it's about 3.5x uh, payout so 100 gets you 449. Back, hopefully we can get back on track and hit one of these again, but now it's time for the Best of the rest, the games we haven't covered in any other segment, but are still, as they say, meaningful to some. That's going to be a touchdown, but that may be meaningful to some of you. And you know who I mean. All right, first up, we got the Lions at the Bears. The Bears are three-point favorites in Soldier Field. The totals 48-and-a-half. And I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, we talk a lot about kind of adjusting to, to things that change and schematic changes. One thing I've noticed, Justin Fields, start to start the year, he was the worst quarterback against the Blitz. The last three weeks, when he's been Blitz, 34 dropbacks, 23 of 28, 210 yards, five touchdowns, no picks, 82% completion percentage, uh, seven and a half yards in an attempt, and only three sacks taken on, on those 34 Dropbacks. Weeks one to six when he was blitzed, 50 dropbacks, 12 of 31, just 39% completion uh, for only 6.4 yards per attempt and 10 sacks on 50 dropbacks. So about 20% of the time. So, I mean, he's just completely turned it around. Kind of like we were talking with Lamar, you know, just kind of flipping the script against the blitz. Uh, Wonder if you noticed that against fields and does it give you any angles for this one?
0: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's improving, which is what you want to see for a quarterback in his second season. Also like he hasn't had the best surroundings. It's like it might've, it's going to take a, take it a little longer. Now he's gotten better. He has better coaching in my opinion, just as important. It's the designed runs. Uh, He had 26 designed runs in his first 16 starts. By the way, Lamar Jackson, 145 in his first 16 starts. It's what a competent organization does, but fields now better coaching last three starts, 21. 21 in his last three starts, 26 in his first 16. And he's going nuts. He just broke the single-game rushing record. So I think him running has also given a lot more confidence overall. He's obviously improving, getting more comfortable just in the in the game overall. So, yeah, I, I would – with the way that this Bears offense is trending and Fields is trending and the issues that the Bears have on defense, like, I mean, they're, they're also just, like, trading away their best players. They're, they're like, definitely an over team. Yeah. But – I, I don't. Goff, who's Oh, 10 and one straight up on the road in his last eleven starts, losing by thirteen points per game. Goff turns into a pumpkin outdoors. Yep. So I don't know if I can trust the lines here. So I don't know. I would lean the Bears. Lean over. I'll probably end up staying away. But I definitely think the the Bears are trending up. And my just a qu- question that I wanted to ask you is Fields, Trevor, Zach Wilson. Mac Jones. By the way, Jetsons. I do want to say something nice about the Jetsons. Their defense last week Ooh. really impressive because they've been playing a lot of backup quarterbacks. So I wanted to see them do it against uh, an elite offense.
1: I was saying you know, this. I was screaming it out, man. I was like, "Yo, this is just, it's just they're too talented." Like I know you can't. they are also getting play, that pressure but...
0: without blitzing, which is yeah, just it's key. key. So you yeah, got Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Davis Mills, Sam Ellinger. Those are your quarterbacks from the 2021 draft class. Taking what in the first couple of rounds? Mm-hmm. Uh, like are you're, are you taking Fields going forward? I mean, it's not Wilson. It's not Ellinger. So basically, comes down to like Jones, Lawrence, or Fields. If you asked me a year ago, there was zero chance I'm taking Fields. I might, I might take Fields now.
1: Yeah, I'm taking Fields. I don't even think it's a question. I've, I've watched. Every Fields game watch it game, be a Trevor question Lawrence with Lawrence game.
0: if you think that he can get to that ceiling. I don't think that any other quarterbacks are even worth mentioning, but like it's been – this is year two with Lawrence, yeah. and now we're seeing the improvement with Fields, who's in a much worse situation.
1: Yeah, I, I'm telling you, I'm watching Lawrence very closely, and something's just not quite right. It's like, yes, he has he has talent, he has physical tools, but it's just something about the way he plays quarterback is just – nothing's nothing really comes easy throws are not quite as accurate as they need to be puts the ball in harm's way can't always finish with throws in the red zone like it's just I don't know I don't know when it's going to start I mean yeah we'll give him a a mulligan for last year but now like you said we're halfway through the next year he's got an upgraded receiving core, upgraded coaching staff you know they haven't been getting blown out they're always in the game so it's not like just playing with a, a shit supporting cast and it's just still very underwhelming against everyone pretty much, but the Colts. So yeah, I'm, I'd be worried about Lawrence if I'm a, if I'm a Jags fan, honestly. All right. Uh, next one up, we got Davis Mills and the Texans going to East Rutherford to take on the Giants. Giants five and a half point favorites, total 40 and a half. Uh, there has been some sharp action on the over here that Texans defense against the run. Not very good. Giants coming off a bye. What are your thoughts on this one? And by, yeah, the Giants home are 15 and one it's, games it's, to one. I know. It's kind of caught my attention.
0: Points per game. I had no interest in this. I, I think there's a little bit of value in the Giants. They're dealing with some key injuries, but should be able to just line up and run it. Do, do I ever want to back this Giants team laying a number? No. Uh-huh. Yeah. Probably no. sets up as like Giants winning by they always do it like,
1: 22 24/7. 17. Yeah. 22. Uh, <laughs> They'll miss an extra point like that. Uh, yeah, yeah I, get a no safety.
0: Interest in, no interest in this game. We're talking about it.
1: And the final one the Colts at the Raiders, Raiders five and a half point favorites, total 42 and a half. Sharp action on Vegas in the under. And I, Colts are another team I was thinking about. Because I, there's just so much uncertainty, but they actually do match up well with the Raiders. I mean, they play a ton of zone. The Raiders have not been doing a uh, car in the you know car in the offense have not been doing well against zone coverage. They they can stop the run. They get pressure that without blitzing a ton. And you know, Ellinger now is going to be indoors and. You know, not going against a defense that gets a ton of pressure and the defense that, you know, struggled against running backs out of the backfield. So I think the Colts match up, but I have no idea how to handicap what Jeff Saturday and this, you know, random offensive coordinator and all this, like, I don't know what it's going to look like. Do you have any idea?
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't figure out the Raiders. I, here's, I bet them against the Titans. I thought that they should have covered. I bet them against the Chiefs. They covered. Yeah then i bet them against uh the broncos we got lucky there like i didn't learn anything in any of the games i can't i don't know who they are um so very weird team the colts would scare me here because of saturday there was a if you go back to a famous argument on the sidelines between manning and saturday and he's just (laughs) like when are we going to run the ball run the ball we came off the field and we, we exchanged words of how we thought it should get done. And Jeff comes off and says, uh,
1: we need to be running the ball down there. And I just, I just snapped.
0: Hey, we're calling the f- plays, all right? Hey, we got to run the ball. We're going to pass We'll run the, we'll ball. Run the f- ball. Can we run it down, down, not, down there? This place it down yeah, down. Jeff, okay, so we down. will.
1: He's calling he's plays. Go sit in. He's calling, come on. He's, okay. he's yelling
0: out And now he came out and he said, you know, he doesn't want to go for it as much and he wants to worry about just getting points. Like I feel like the Colts are just going to turn around and hand it off like a hundred times and be so, so under not be aggressive at all. Yeah. I would definitely look at the under the Colts defense played really well last week. Their offensive line is a mess. Taylor's obviously not healthy. Ellinger was a mess as You want to know how bad their offense was last week. I mean, Ow. Bill Belcher came out and they he changed play calls. So he said the Colts knew their place and they still got blown out. Uh,
1: yeah. I heard that actually. That's, Colts, that's nuts. The Colts were
0: negative 35 EPA. That's their worst game since 2000. That's the ninth worst offensive game since 2000. They were sacked nine times. They had zero third down conversions. They averaged 1.9 yards per play. That's the worst for a Colts offense in 45 years. Horrific. So, I mean, if you want to buy low on the Colts, this is probably your opportunity. And the Raiders aren't a team that builds margin. I just don't think it's going to work out with Saturday and the play calling. By the way, the Colts are 0-9 against the spread in the first half. Maybe the scripted portion gets better here and there's some unexpected calls, but I don't trust Saturday they do that. Like the scripted portion has been so bad this year. Uh, and this is like the third offensive coordinator in like three weeks. I, it's messy. Only one other team has started 0-9 and against the first half spread since 2005, the the 7 Niners. That's it. Um, yeah, if you want to buy low, it's the Colts selling the Raiders. I can't figure out the Raiders, and I don't think I want to get involved with the the Saturday experiment on a Sunday. Um, uh, yeah yeah, I got nothing there it is Colts or nothing if you could stomach it
1: I think the the issue with the Raiders from what I see is that this offense with Derek Carr where it's like the ball is supposed to go to a certain place is just throwing Derek Carr off yeah he's like he's like too robotic now and he's he he, needs to have autonomy and just yeah and now he's not really he's not really making reads he's just he's like making reads but to a predetermined spot and then a lot of his throws are like unnecessarily contested. It's just, it's just odd. It's, 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 yep. it doesn't look good.
0: Also before we get out of here, I did want to bring up something with Ravens futures. Wanted to get your thoughts on their They're obviously their defense looked a lot better. I think it's going to improve that they're, they're my only future as everyone who listens to this podcast knows. If you look, it's like, if you look at their schedule the rest of the way, they were by this week. Panthers, Jags, Broncos, Steelers, Browns, Falcons, Steelers, Bengals. Extremely easy. Going to get healthier after the bye. You saw the potential of their defense with Bowser back, adding Roquan Smith. I think if you're going to buy the Ravens, you buy them right now during the bye because you also have the potential where we don't know what this Josh Allen injury is as well. And if it ends up being something more serious, you also have Jamar Chase out for a while and the Ravens schedule down, down the stretch. It's like, you know, and then you look at the state of the AFC, all the injuries on the chargers. It's like Ravens are going to look
1: Titans. Don't have a quarterback right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and like with their schedule, they're going to pile on wins. And I think that their defense is only going to improve. I still want them to add another receiver at some point Deshaun Jackson. will give them a little bit, but I think they still need a little more juice there, but, um, yeah, I think if you're going to buy the Ravens, you buy them right now. Yeah, if you like them, but you would agree, right?
1: Yeah, I agree. I actually had that exact thought uh, going into the Monday night game, I was kind of kicking myself that I didn't just like even before that because I figured you know, that was one of the reasons I liked the under in that game. I was like, you know, this this defense is going to look a lot better with what you know getting guys back and adding Roquan. So yeah, you also got I think one it, of the
0: best safeties in the NFL coming back after the buy, Marcus yeah, Williams.
1: Yeah, I don't think I think people still are kind of. Thinking of the Ravens as this team that's choking away weeds and giving up, you know, whatever they gave up to Tua in that fourth quarter, but nah, man, this this Ravens team's is legit. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I think now is the time to invest it. In. I mean, they're they they have a super easy schedule. The Eagles have a super easy schedule. It's 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 yeah, it's interesting. Uh, that is gonna wrap it up for the week ten. Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. You can find Stucky on Twitter at Stucky Two. You can find me at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles on the free, award-winning Action Network app, where you can follow our bets and track yours as well. Be sure to check out ActionNetwork.com for all of our betting content and FantasyLabs.com for our DFS tools and models. Until next time, let's get this money.
0: Go, Pat, go.